Do you ever struggle with remembering details from your travels? Then I've got something special for you. How would you like a better way to keep track of all the things you see and experience in Scotland? A way to keep those special memories and all the details fresh for years to come. My new Scotland travel journal might just be what you need. It includes daily journaling prompts to help you start writing about your day, lots of space for doodling and notes, prompts to reflect on your trip overall, and suggestions for things to do that help you make more meaningful connections with Scotland. There's also inspiration for your travel bucket list, a map to draw your route, space to keep track of your travel details, and some Gaelic and Scottish phrases to try while you're here. All you have to do is print out the journal, fold the pages in half and start writing. The Scotland Travel Journal is the perfect companion for your upcoming trip to Scotland. Find it in the Watch Me See online shop or visit the link in the show notes. And now, let's get on with the show. Hello there, and welcome to Wild for Scotland, a podcast full of immersive travel stories from Scotland. I'm your host, Cathy Kamleitner. Wild for Scotland helps you connect with Scotland and dream about future adventures, regardless of your travel plans. Each episode starts with a travel story to whisk you away. Then I'll tell you some of my top tips to visit Scotland for yourself. So lean back and enjoy. Let's travel to Scotland. Slangeva. If you pick up some Gaelic words before or during your trip to Scotland, let them be these two. It literally translates as wishing someone good health. But as the avid whiskey drinkers among you will know, it also means cheers. When I went on my research trip for this week's story, I said Slangeva a lot. Like every episode in this season, we're going on a road trip. But for once, we're actually leaving the car parked for a little bit longer. After all, there are some aspects of Scottish culture that don't mix well with driving. After writing last season's story about acquiring a taste for whisky on Isla, I knew I wanted to explore a different whisky region this time round. We're heading to the Speyside, on the Mald Whisky Trail to be exact. We'll visit the whisky capital of the world, learn about an often overlooked aspect of the whisky industry, and of course, we'll try some ourselves. And the best thing is, today's so-called road trip is actually possible to do without too much driving. You just need to drive there and back. So unless you're in the car right now, pour yourself a dram and get comfortable. This is Whiskey Galore. have a table but you can sit and eat at the bar. For a second I hesitate. Sitting on the bar stool? 
could be difficult. You see, I'm heading to the Speyside to explore the Malt Whiskey Trail. And I'm booking this specific restaurant because it is within walking distance from my accommodation, but also near the end of the whiskey tour I booked. And not just any whiskey tour, a tour around all seven distilleries in Dufftown. Nine, if you count the ones that have stopped producing new whiskey. At each, we'll get tasters. That's a lot of whiskey. And that's why sitting on a bar stool might be difficult. But I've heard that the food at this restaurant is worth the risk. So, dinner at the bar, it is. The next day, I make my way north. From Glasgow, I drive up past Stirling and Perth, Dunkeld and Pitlochry, Delwini and Newtonmore. And then, just past Aviemore, I leave the big road behind and head off to follow the water of life. The Speyside is named after the River Spey. It carves its way over 100 miles from the highlands to the Moray coast, which makes it the third longest river in Scotland, only surpassed by the River Tay and the Clyde. Its source is Loch Spey, somewhere among the mountains between Lagan and Invergary. Along the way, tributaries feed it with more and more water. And where there is water in Scotland, there is also whisky, the water of life. Driving up the A95, a sign comes into view, the one I've been waiting for. Just past the impressive Tormor distillery, it says, Welcome to the Malt Whiskey Trail. The Speyside is by far the most productive whiskey region in Scotland. Over half of all Scottish whiskey is made here in over 50 distilleries. You'll also find the three largest distilleries here in the Speyside, Glenfiddich, Glenlivet and Macallan. Less than 20 miles apart, they produce around 57 million litres of whiskey per year. These and other distilleries create jobs, sustain local farmers and attract countless visitors to the area. Whiskey sets the tone in the Speyside and I'm here to listen. As a rather recently converted whiskey connoisseur, I'm excited about what awaits me on the malt whiskey trail. Speyside whiskies are often considered easier to drink, especially if you're new to whiskey. And although I've grown fond of a peaty Isla dram, I look forward to tasting what the region has to offer. I booked a B&B in Dufftown, a small village in the heart of the region that likes to call itself the whiskey capital of the world. From there, I have easy access to countless whiskey distilleries and other sites that are worth seeing in Speyside. My first stop on the way is the Crigalochy Bridge, a cast iron bridge that reaches with one long and slender arch across the River Spey. Like so many other bridges in Scotland, it was designed by Thomas Telford and built in the early 19th century. I've heard rumours that the bridge was actually constructed for a different location, which would explain the unusual sharp right-angled turn at the other end of the bridge. It seems like there should have been a better way to build it. But maybe that's just a myth. Either way, the bridge was revolutionary for its time, 
not just because of the way it was constructed, but also because it made the journey across the river much safer. The Spey is the fastest flowing river in Scotland, and until the construction of bridges, people had to rely on small ferries to reach the other side. But the waters were often treacherous. With the arrival of bridges, like the one near Kregelchi, the movement of people and goods across the region became easier. I follow a footpath from the small parking area past trees and shrubs, the soft ground covered in brown needles, dampening the sounds of my steps. Then the riverbank comes into view, reddish sand leading towards brown-green water, shallow at first so you can easily see the stone pebbles on the ground. But further from the shore, the water gets visibly darker and deeper. Fallen leaves float on the surface, dancing on the currents of the fast-moving water. I look up at the grey metallic iron bridge. The bottom struts look like an army of saltires holding up the weight, possibly more decorative than functional. On both ends of the bridge there are two fake medieval towers with arrow slits and crenellated battlements, like a fortress the bridge stands at a key position on the river. A short while later, I return to my car and get back on the road. Up the hill through the village of Krigalachi, past its iconic whiskey hotel, whose yellow walls I can see through the thick cover of trees. Facing the street, the massive windows of the Krigalachi distillery are wide open, allowing the fresh autumn air to stream into the otherwise toasty stillhouse. I can see the giant copper stills reflecting the daylight back at me, inviting it, enticing. But of course, today is not a day for whiskey. I'm driving after all, and those two don't mix well. But I do have one more stop to make before I reach Dufftown, and it is connected to the whiskey industry. You could say, without it, we wouldn't have very much whiskey to drink at all. Just as I pass the last houses of Krigalachi, my stop comes into view. I indicate right and pull up in the car park. The Speyside Cooperage is one of many cooperages around the country. Coopering, that is the ancient art of making casks. Before a grain spirit can call itself Scottish whiskey, it must mature in an oak cask for at least three years and one day. That's the law. And with hundreds of million litres of whiskey produced every year, we need a lot of casks. Now, the casks used for Scottish whiskey are usually second-hand. They were built to store bourbon or sherry and are then sold on to the distilleries. This is not only cheaper than building new casks, but it also gives the whiskey its distinct colours and flavour profiles. And then they're used over and over again, turning spirit into whiskey. They do this for around 60 years, 
before they find some other purpose, like being turned into furniture, flower tubs or decorations. So while most Scottish coopers don't have to build new casks on a daily basis, the casks need checked over, repaired and recharged before they can be filled up with new spirit again. And that's exactly what the coopers at the Speyside Cooperage do. The tour of the cooperage begins with a short film about the craft, including some footage of coopers charring the wood with flamethrowers or rolling their casks through the clouds of steam. Impressive, no doubt, but a little dramatic. I am much more interested in the second part of the tour, where our guide takes us up to the actual workshop and we see the coopers in action. Here at the Speyside Cooperage, there are 14 coopers and seven apprentices. It takes them four years to learn all the skills, and they often go on to work around the globe, perfecting their skills in other parts of the drinks industry. A skilled cooper checks and fixes around 25 casks a day, although our guide tells us that two brothers once went head to head and fixed 50 each. One of their coopers, David McKenzie, even holds the world record for the fastest assembly of a cask, just over three minutes, less than half the previous record. Needless to say, the coopers at the Speyside Cooperage are quite the sight. Casks are made without nails and glue. Just metal hoops and physics hold the casks together, sealing tightly whatever is filled inside. Although porous as it is, some of the spirit evaporates through the wood with every year the whiskey matures, the angel's share, as it's called, rising up to the heavens. Outside in the yard, I spot the barrels that are ready to be distributed back to distilleries across the region. 70 to 100,000 casks sit here at any time. Empty, of course, don't you get any ideas? They're stacked up in pyramids, 12, 13, 14 rows tall. How they do this, without the casks rolling away, is a miracle. One that makes the whiskey industry so alluring to me. I pick up a miniature dram from the Cooperage's gift shop, drive to my B&B and settle in for the night. The next morning, I begin my day with a walk around Dufftown. As sleepy as the village may seem today, it was once the beating heart of the region, and in many ways it still is. Home to seven active distilleries, including one of the largest in the country, it is a must-see for anyone who travels on the Malt Whiskey Trail. Its iconic clock tower can be seen from all four main roads as you approach the town centre. A beautiful tower made from white and pink granite and topped with crenellated battlements. It was once used as the town jail, and later as the borough chambers. Funnily enough, there was an illicit still in the tower cellar at that time, well hidden from the excisemen, the waft of fermentation believed to belong to one of the many other distilleries in town. From the tower, I walk through the hamlet of Mortlach and down across the river Dullin, which, together with the river Fiddich, into which it flows, 
gives life to the distilleries of the village. My walk leads me on footpaths, through long grass and light woodlands, above the steep riverbanks and along the running water, to the giant's chair and the giant's cradle, two rock formations carved by water many, many years ago. A little farther, I discovered a colourful fairy village, where the fairy folk of Dufftown have built a miniature version of the town, complete with a clock tower and even a distillery. Which brings me back to the actual reason for my trip and this story. Whiskey, and not too little. Back in Dufftown, I make my way to the clock tower and spot a group of people already gathering and waiting. Michelle, our guide, is wearing a tartan skirt, and as soon as we start walking, stories start flowing out of her. About the way distillery workers used to get paid, at least in part, with new spirits, how they'd steal some more of the whiskey for their own consumption, and how that was accepted by the distilleries. Until a doctor, concerned for his patient's health and well-being, made them put a stop to that. Luckily, we don't have that problem today. And so, while we stand in Michelle's impressive whiskey shed, the first stop of our tour, she pours us our first dram, a 14-year-old Macallan, bottled independently by Gordon MacPhail. And with it, she hands us a piece of sticky toffee pudding, homemade by her mum. I'm on a whiskey walking tour of Dufftown, a great way to learn about whiskey and enjoy a few drams without having to drive your car. Today's tour is the Connoisseur's Walk, which takes four and a half hours. We will walk to all the distilleries in Dufftown, present and past, nine in total, and each dram is paired with some delicious local food. Michelle is from the area and knows the whisky industry inside out. She's quick and witty as she tells us some of the behind-the-scenes secrets that the distilleries might not want you to know, and stories about the drams at hand. At each stop, she pours us two different expressions. Not full measures, of course, but enough to keep us merry. At most stops, she includes an official bottling from the distillery, the way it's supposedly supposed to be, as well as a special edition that was bottled by an independent bottler, who often do something a little bit different. Along the way, she tells stories about the way whiskey was made in the past and what has changed about the process today. A hint, not all that much. About people like William Grant, who founded Glenfiddich Distillery, Charles Doig, who designed the characteristic whiskey pagoda, or John Walker, who's responsible for possibly the most famous blended whiskey in the world. She shows us what a copper dog is and explains the workings of worm tubs, how much it costs to buy a copper still, and why distilleries tended to be whitewashed. And of course she pours drams, whiskies I know and whiskies I had never even heard of. Pitivech, Singleton, Mortlach and Glendolin, Glenfiddich, Kinvinny and Balvenie. She even throws in some Highland and Isla whiskies for good measure and comparison. With it, she serves chocolate and cheese, shortbread and salmon. A sip here, a bite there, first on its own, then together in your mouth. 
comparing which flavours are released by the combination of textures and tastes. By the time we reach our final stop of our tour at Balvenie, Michelle has turned a group of strangers into whisky connoisseurs, exchanging taste notes, picking favourites and least favourites, and sharing our passion. As I sip my last dram, the sky has turned pink and my knees a little soft. That's what trying 16 different whiskies does to you. And so I eventually find myself sitting on that bar stool at the Seven Stills restaurant. The owners, Patrick and Rose, fell in love with the space site, sold up and moved here from France. They've restored a historic inn. And now, while Patrick cooks up a delicious French storm in the kitchen, Rose pours drinks at the bar, where you can choose from over 300 different whiskies. Merry and warm, I sit at the bar, examine the shelves lined by bottles filled with water of life. Confident after learning about Town whiskies from the best, I order a dram along with my meal. I savour every bite and every sip while I watch other guests come and go. The whisky-inspired artwork blends in well with the French chansons coming from the speaker behind the bar. The chef makes a round at the tables, chatting to guests, telling them about the meals they just enjoyed. I don't know if it's the whisky or just the perfection of this moment, but everything here feels like it's meant to be. Finally, whisky galore at last. I hope you enjoyed this story about my journey on the malt whiskey trail in the space site. I loved working on another whiskey episode for this season, and I particularly enjoyed the research trip I did for this story. It's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. Don't forget, you can see pictures from this trip and previous stories on our website, wildforscotland.com. There you'll also find a link to transcripts and my travel tips I share in every episode. But before we dive into those tips, let's do a quick detour. And now it's time for the practical part of the show. Here are my top five travel tips to visit the Speyside and experience the malt whiskey trail. Tip number one, stay in Dufftown. There are many places to stay in the Speyside, from dedicated whiskey hotels to villages with distilleries. But when you visit the Speyside on a road trip, I suggest staying in Dufftown. Not only is it the whiskey capital of the world, it's also great because there are quite a few distilleries in walking distance so you can leave your car behind. Tip number two, book a whiskey walking tour. If you love whiskey, but also driving, you'll soon face a dilemma. You'll have to choose one or the other. Wild distilleries usually offer small bottles to take away any drams that are included in your tour and tasting. It's simply not the same. I was so glad I discovered the Dufftown Distilleries Walk with Speyside Tours. Our guide Michelle was amazing and it was a great way to learn about different Speyside whiskies without having to drive to multiple distilleries. 
I thought it was the perfect tour to include on a whiskey road trip. Tip number three, do at least one proper distillery tour. There's nothing quite like seeing how it's done right at the source. A distillery tour usually includes a walk around the facilities and then a few drams to taste. Seeing that the Speyside is Scotland's most prolific whisky region, there's no shortage of distilleries to visit. Many have visitor centres and offer public tours. If you're looking for value for money, I really enjoyed my tour at Abalauer, which included five drams at the tasting. But you can also tour Glenfiddich, Glenlivet, Macallan or Cardew, just to name a few. Tip number four. Visit for the Spirit of Speyside Festival. Spirit of Speyside is an annual whisky festival with hundreds of whisky events across the region. There's something for everyone, whether you are new to whisky or an expert connoisseur. At the time of recording this in 2021, there's still time to organise a spontaneous trip to the Speyside this weekend. The festival runs from the 3rd to the 8th of November. Or start planning ahead for the years to come. Tip number five, look beyond whiskey. And finally, a word of advice, or rather encouragement for anyone who might not enjoy whiskey all that much. There are many other things to do and see in the Speyside, from historic sites like the Krigelachy Bridge or Balindaloch Castle, to hikes near Dufftown or on the Speyside Way. The region has a lot to offer, whether you're a whiskey fan or not. I'll pop the link to my Speyside travel guide in the show notes. And with this, I send you off to dream about your own trip to the Speyside and the Walt Whiskey Trail. Next week, we're back on the coast. But for once, we're not heading to the west, but turn our attention to the serene east coast of Scotland. Thank you so much for listening to Wild for Scotland. Before I let you go, let me tell you about my Patreon. You can support the show in many ways, but if financial giving is in the cards for you, why not join our Patreon from £3 per month? You'll get access to bonus materials and some behind-the-scenes glimpses. You'll find the link in the show notes. Wild for Scotland is written and hosted by me, Cathy Gamleitner. Fran Tarowskis is the producer and editor of the show. Podcast art is by Lizzie Vaughan Knight, the Tartan Trailburner, and all original music is composed by Bruce Wallace. Until next time, when we travel down a different road in Scotland. If you're still here, listening all the way to the very end, it means you've probably got your hands full. So let me take this opportunity to remind you that I don't just write immersive travel stories. I also plan unforgettable itineraries for Scotland. And it's never been easier to follow one of my routes. Head to watchmesee.com forward slash shop to browse my ready-made Scotland itineraries and turn your travel dreams into reality.